This is the Barneys Podcast. I'm Noor Tagori. Today, I'm talking with Jillian Mercado. She's a model who's been in campaigns for Diesel, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Target, featured on Beyonce's website, and she's been on a huge billboard in her hometown of New York right in the middle of Times Square. And from early on, she's been obsessed with fashion. I used to hoard magazines. Like, the amount of magazines were scary that I had. She didn't know exactly why she was so drawn to this world, but she knew that fashion would be the place where she could be totally herself. She's built this career as one of the only professional models in the industry who also happens to use a wheelchair. She has a visible physical disability, which is spastic muscular dystrophy. I met Jillian earlier this year at an event we were both speaking at, and my impression of her was just pure light and joy. I really wanted to talk to her more about her story, her journey, and really what it means to be an ally to her community. She has this incredibly edgy style, so of course, I was excited to see what she would be wearing on a regular day like today. I am wearing this striped long dress cotton. I actually bought it at TJ Maxx four years ago, and I'm wearing this like bondage kind of belt from this designer named Deer, and I'm wearing platform diesel creepers. Were you always an emo kid? Yes. <laughs> Were you a rebel? Um, I think I had to. I think it was my survival mode. I think if I wasn't, I would have not been where I am today at all. Are and you I love still it. a rebel? Oh, God, I have to be, especially now. I think now even more than I when I was younger. You know, in high school, it was just like surviving, trying to make friends and being a teenager and trying to figure out who I am and I, or my identity for that matter. But also it was like an added bonus was people not understanding that my disability is just as part as someone having blue or brown eyes. But unfortunately, this world gave people who may look different a rule book and a step by step of how to live. And who wrote those rules? Well, (laughs) history shows it that it is the white cis male who wrote um, my life story. Even before I was born, you know, my community, the disability community has always had this rule book given to them every single time, no matter what. Um, And I, I honestly, I don't know if it was my innocence. I don't know if it was just me not trying to confront it, but I'd never identified with it. When Um, did you first recognize that? That society's rules towards people with disabilities didn't apply to you? I think, honestly, low-key, I always did. Even, like, from, like, sixth, seventh grade, because I, in school, I was always the only one who had a visible disability in my classrooms. And I remember being at the airport, going to Dominican Republic, where my family's from, and feeling very weird that I was given extra help getting on the plane. And I started noticing that. And I started talking back like, no, we don't need help. Thank you. And I remember my sister going, shh, like, you don't have to like be outspoken for any little thing. In those moments where people like strangers would be trying to help, do you feel like you were ever doing it to prove a point to them or to teach them? Or were you just annoyed at the standard? There's a lot of people that um, probably hearing this and they're like, oh, we just want to help. And that's understandable. I mean, I think it's all in the best of the intentions of the person. 
But I think that it's also very problematic when you're assuming something and not asking if they need help or not. You know? So if somebody were to ask you, absolutely, that's okay. That's fine. Of course, that's fine. I mean, if you see someone that looks like they need help, yeah, you should ask if they actually need help, you know? And you have an incredible career in fashion. And not only do you have an incredible career in fashion because of who you are and your personality, but you, you went to school for fashion. I've been in the industry for 12 years. I went to FIT. I studied merchandising management. Um, for four years. And I already saw the lack of representation at a very, very young age. I used to hoard magazines. Like, that was my thing. And subconsciously, I was just looking for someone who looked like me. But I didn't I yeah. didn't know that that was even a thing that I was doing subconsciously because the amount of magazines were scary that I had. And I remember just, like, looking at these magazines and I'm like, there's not even a Latin person in these magazines. Like, there's no in these magazines that look like me and it just like I'm like one day it'll happen one day it'll, it'll be tomorrow and then tomorrow oh it'll be tomorrow it'll be next week and I just I can relate to that and so much and waiting mm. and to the point where that aggravation of waiting I was like I had a moment I had a very very depressive moment when I was younger that I was like why does the world hate me like really hate me because every there's always like 10 steps ahead of me. Mind you, in a wheelchair, you can't really climb steps. So that was, it was just like, girl, wow, how the hell are you going to do this? And I was, I remember having a conversation with my mom and I'm like, I know that I have to do something. It was like a weird feeling that I had that moment. I was like, I know that I was put on this earth for something. I just really can't figure it out right now. And it's really frustrating me and I don't know what to do. And my mom is just like, well, honey, unfortunately the world, is not ready for you. And you're just going to have to make them be ready. She was just like, you know, whatever you do, I will be behind you 100%. Just do know that whatever you do, you will have to work 10 times harder than everyone around you, period. What was it about fashion? They're okay if I have pink hair. And they're okay if I, like, panic at the disco. (laughs) And they're okay that, like, I really love traveling. I'm like, I just want to meet, I just want to you know, see the world and, and hear everyone's stories around there because I know I cannot be the only one. But yeah, I really, really, really felt a very strong attraction to the, an industry. And I knew very early on that they had everything but one thing, mm-hmm. and that was me. Early on, I knew that. And I was like, I'm going to be the one to fill this gap in this hole. You know, I, I think I was looking so passionately and aggressively of someone who looked like me. And I was like, well, hell, okay, Jill, let's go. You know, that courage and that, like, determination and stubbornness. You have to be very stubborn to know what you want and go after it, no matter what hurdles and what obstacles are putting in your way. I would love for you to clarify for our listeners proper and improper terminology when it comes to your community. I used to say when I was younger that I didn't like the word disabled. It was the I want to fit in, I want to fit in, I want to be this quote-unquote normal person just to feel accepted. It was just the world (laughs) telling you every single day you are different in a bad way, not in a good way. And I think that in the general public and people who are unfortunately ableist, they think it's they can you define ableist for our listeners? I mean, what we say is it's someone who is not listening to our community at all and, and who is assuming their own viewpoint on us by someone who wasn't talking to us and wasn't listening to us. Our community, honestly, 
we've been screaming and shouting till our voices have been sore about the simplicity of listening. So, you know, going back to your question, I think it's more a personal preference. I have deleted the word handicapped. Everybody throw that out of your dictionary. <laughs> yes, delete it. The term differently able to tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, so um, a lot of people who don't specifically have a disability that's visible use the word differently able to make it sound cute. Honestly, to make it sound better for them, not for the person who actually has a disability. That's how we see it. I mean, we're all technically able to do things differently, you know? Yeah. So it just, it makes it cute. And it's it's not that it's not cute either, but it's not, like, who came up with that? Maybe the people who wrote your well, rule maybe. book. <laughs> maybe. And that, that, I mean, going back to the thing of, you know, people who bring up these terms, they always want to remove the fact that we have a disability. And I think that's horrible because there's thousands of different disabilities that are different. But that doesn't remove the fact that they have it. I actually, like uh, 30 minutes ago, got sent a bio and it said literally the word differently abled. And I'm like, oh, God. Or bound. Oh, oh that's the best one. Wheelchair bound is my favorite word. There has been a lot of uh, articles said like model Jillian Mercado, who is wheelchair bound, is on the dot, 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 dot. So that's another word that should be deleted. When I was younger, I would always get so mad, like really, really, really emotionally mad about the fact that people would misrepresent something that's so that I saw so simple. And so like, do you have an example of something that happened when you were younger? Oh, wow. So many. I literally have examples every single day. I was at a bar Uh with my friend and this guy came up to be this was right now. I don't even know how we got to this place, but he asked me how I slept. And he said, do you take your chair and put it on the bed? (laughs) And I was like, dude, what? That's like when people ask if I I shower with my scarf on. Oh, my God. It does not compute in my mind. I used to get really frustrated about questions like that. But then I realized how in the media, there's just no education, period. There's no one talking about it at all or having that conversation with people. To tell you that is absolutely wrong to tell someone. Can you tell me— about what your views on the overall media representation of the disabled community have typically been? Horrible. (laughs) Literally the worst. One, it's not a story that's never told by someone who actually has a disability. Um, There was a movie that came out called The Upside. It was where Brian Cranston and... um, Kevin Hart, right? And Kevin Hart, yes. The Upside. The Upside, Yeah. Essentially, it's another movie played by some an actor who does not have a disability playing someone who has a disability. We are one billion of us out there. We are one in five people who have a disability in this world. Wow, one and billion. And you're telling me that you couldn't find an actor. This happens all the time. And those are the movies which we call inspiration porn. And I will define inspiration porn. We all know what porn is. Mm-hmm. Porn is... Not what well, porn. I'm not going to explain to you what porn <laughs> is, but <laughs> but um, when you are essentially what's supposed to happen when you're watching porn is you feel good. Yet those actors are not very happy. And that's what inspiration porn means to us, because these videos that are very like inspiring and, you know, they make you cry and you're like, oh, my God, inspiration porn. You feel good. But I'm pretty sure the person in that video does not. And usually these people 
are never given consent to use their story out there. And the only side you see is when they are in a vulnerable place. There's an example where it went viral in our community where this guy who I believe had Down syndrome, he went into this store and helped a coworker out put, I think, soda bottles in the fridge. This kid never got the opportunity to actually get paid for this work. And that is so problematic. So that guy was feeling great. The mom was feeling great. Everybody who got thousands of views in the videos felt great. But I'm pretty sure that the injustice of that kid not getting paid for a work is literally the problem. We are never we are never giving work like that at all. Right. It's always for the media. And that hurts so much. The other side of that spectrum in terms of the media representation is how villains are typically portrayed hmm. with I think like all James Bond an accent, <laughs> facial scarring, mm-hmm. or a visible disability. Mm-hmm. Can you talk on that? Yeah. I mean it's basically brainwashing people about our community. For example, I know there's one, I I brought up James Bond, but there's one character, whatever the last James Bond movie was, I can't remember at this point, but he had a scar on his face. So already you're looking at that as a villain. Mm. So when you see somebody with a scar in in the street or walking around, that's the first thing you think of. You're not thinking about this is just a person who has a scar. You're thinking about this is a villain. I mean, that's the same way that like with Muslim women who wear the hijab feel represented. And so whenever people see people who look like me, they have that sense of feeling because it's rooted in the way that you're represented in the media. And that's why it's like so important to talk about true media representation and then inclusion behind the people who are making decisions Mm -hmm. on how the world sees you. Do you feel like there is a sense of gratitude towards the thing that makes you different because that was what made you work so hard? Absolutely. A friend of mine asked me, she was like, Jill, I know this is going to be a weird question, but I just want to hear what your answer is going to be. She's like, if you were given like a wish to like magically all of a sudden walk right now, would you take it? And without hesitation, I said, no, never. Not right now, not before, not in the future. I just, no. I mean, what makes me me is literally me. And I would never want to change it. First of all, it freaks me out already seeing people walk in the street because I'm just like, whoa, gravity. <laughs> like how? I'm like, I have a seatbelt on my chair, right? Mm-hmm. And being me, the nerd that I am, I'm like, whoa, well, well, all of a sudden it's like, how do people not hold on when they're like crossing the street? <laughs> and I literally, these thoughts go in my mind. That's so funny. Like I have these random thoughts all the time, but <laughs> I know I would never, I would never change the way I am at all. I just love life so much because I get to experience this human experience through a lens that supposedly was foggy. And I was just like, girl, I got windshield wipers. So you have so many incredible career experiences that the world just needs to consistently celebrate. I mean, you've been on magazine covers. You had an Olay billboard in Times Square. You were on Beyonce's website. Tell me about what those experiences truly meant to you. I mean, the first official like public job I had was the Diesel campaign, and that was worldwide. And I remember getting flown to Venice, Italy, and getting out of the airport. And there was a poster, like a 50-foot poster of my face. Honestly, I blacked out and passed out. And thank goodness my little sister was with me. And she was just like, oh, my God, Jill. I honestly stood there. It felt like 10 years, but it was probably five minutes. I don't know if I cried or not, but it was just the thought of 
we're here. Like, we made it. And my chair was fully visible, fully visible in this 50-foot poster outside of the airport where everyone saw. And it had, like, it wasn't for a charity case, which is where we are, always end up on. Mm. It wasn't anything medical for that matter. It was a fashion brand. And treated in the most, quote-unquote, normal way ever of just a person who happens to be a model who happens to have a disability right there. It, it was a, a very outer body experience because it went to full circle of myself trying to find someone who looked exactly like me, right. you know? So you saw it. The person and was I you. And I saw it and it was me. And it was just a weird, trippy, like mirror feeling. This is an experience of, for you, a brand doing it right. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about when <laughs> brands get it wrong. Mm. What does that look like? It honestly goes back to the how genuine they are and how authentic they are about their message and what they are clearly trying to say with this photo. You know, are they trying to push the conversation forward and in a positive light, in an empowering light, in a light where, you know, they're trying to create change and be that rebel? Or are they just using tokenism in a bad way? I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, Jill, are you, do you sometimes feel like you're being tokenized, I'm like, you know what? Yes, but in a great way. Somebody has to start it. I always say tokenization is like a requirement to true representation and inclusion. It's just that sometimes it's done so horribly Mm -hmm. that it's like offensive or it's just like tiresome or lazy. Right. Can you give me like concrete examples of times where you've been misrepresented in campaigns and what that looks like so that our listeners can keep an eye out next time? It's just assuming that we are not able to be high fashion or we're not able to be anything else but something medical. Like an ad for like the St. Jude's campaigns, but like fashion. Yeah, that sounds problematic. Yeah, a little bit. Because you are removing the fact that this is a fashion brand, that this is a model, but you're seeing them as, oh, that's really cute that they put that person who has a disability. Do you feel like you have a seat at the table right now? Mm. I think I was always given a plate at the table, but no food. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, so that? yeah, I'm in, I'm in the appetizers right now, for sure. People really think that this is a trend that's happening right now. How do you make this moment in time that unfortunately is a trend, but I don't want to say unfortunately too deeply right, because right, it's right. like it I mean, like I'm, I'm happy that it exists. Happening. Yeah, How do we maintain it to the point where we're getting the appetizer, the entree, and the amazing mm. dessert that I'm going to eat every mm, single I bite of? I can't wait for that dessert. Mm, I hope it's we like definitely are dessert people, or like cheesecake. Oh, yeah, a cheesecake. good cheesecake, a good raspberry cheesecake. Oh God, raspberry! See? Or- this is what we want at the table, oh, everyone. God, I'm kind of hungry now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm actually really hungry. <laughs> um, now that we see this like opening, mm. I think that. You know, through social media and through the people who have the power, higher ups need to acknowledge that we're not going anywhere. I know that I'm definitely not going anywhere. I have already concreted my ass to my seat right now. Yeah, and social media solidifies that because it gives you a platform to build up your own community. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's one thing to pave our own paths, but we can't have that conversation without acknowledging that even within our own communities, there's a sense of hostility. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about 
horizontal hostility. And it's just like that sense of strangeness and hostility within the people that you share the same goals and values Mm -hmm. with. How has that impacted you? A lot. I used to say that I would never date anyone who had a disability or I would never be friends with someone who had a disability because how can two wheelchairs get through a door? And having that mindset is so toxic. You even internalized Absolutely. the way that society oh, would see I, you. I think that, you know, when it's poured down your neck forcibly, there's no way, there's no other thing to do but to swallow. Oof. Jillian Mercado on the mic. <laughs> what I know at the moment, we live in one planet. That's it. We are all living in one planet. And as soon as we realize that, we will start to treat each other as such. You know, and within my community, in the disability community for that matter, I think that we're still scared to reach out to each other and say, I am here with you and you are here with me and we have to help each other rise above. Entree, dessert, what does that look like? And not food-wise, but who are you going to be? For me, the dessert, honestly, oh girl. Is it a clothing line? Is it a label? See, the thing is, is that I already think that that's such a possibility like tomorrow will it be at barney's i mean <laughs> i mean hello <laughs> i yeah you've really opened but my I eyes like to like the conversation of accessible clothing it's it's a battle that i'm so goddamn prepared not only because i live it on a daily and i think it's very important to talk about it that each and every single human on this earth we're going to become older if you're alive and you get yeah. that glorious age of 80 or 90 you will need extra help. Even if you're stubborn as hell, you will eventually need that extra help. And that's someone who has a disability. And also that accessible clothing isn't only for people with disabilities. No, it just it's means... For, okay, first of all, who doesn't want to rip their clothes off when they get home? Exactly. I do. Okay, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of saying, I want to do a clothing line for people who have disabilities, specifically, how do we do a clothing line for everyone? That everyone Period. will feel included. In looking fashionable. Thank you so much, Jillian, for opening our eyes truly. Mm, Thank you for having me. I love you. I love you. I love Barney's. And I love everyone around here right now. (laughs) It's all love. You can follow Jillian on Instagram at Jillian Mercado. That's M-E-R-C-A-D-O. The Barney's Podcast is hosted by me, Noor Tagori, and produced by Barney's and Transmitter Media. This episode was produced by Jessica Glazer. The show is executive produced by Anna Deutsch, Greta Cohn, and me. This episode was edited by Michael Garofalo and mixed by Rick Kwan. If you like what you're hearing, rate and review the show. It really helps other people find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening. You know when a dog goes like, <laughs> 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 yeah.